We're going to return this morning to the book of James, to chapter 1, and we'll read verses 19 to 27, and our text will be the first three verses of this passage. James, chapter 1, from verse 19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So far the reading. And as I said, our text would be the first three verses, 19, 20 and 21. And it's entitled Divine Instructions for Living in an Evil World. When I did a speed reading course a few years ago, the instructor explained to us that people on average read about 300 words per minute. That's fast enough to be able to read through a, a normal sermon in about 10 minutes. You'd think that, that reading 300 words per minute would keep our brains occupied, but that's not the case. I'm pretty sure that if you've ever read an article or a, or a book, you'd sometimes turn the page and then all of a sudden you realise you can't remember what you've actually read, even just on the previous page. Our brains go, go walk about in a sense. In a sense, our brains switch off because they're not stimulated enough. The same applies to listening. Sometimes you'll be speaking to someone and you know that they are hearing the drone of your voice, but it's like the lights aren't on. Just ask any preacher. Or you'd be speaking to someone and their eyes would be sort of glazed over. One preacher calls this a dialogue with the deaf. We see that sometimes in our children too, don't we? You know, you'd ask, John, are you listening to me? And the answer comes back, I hear you, mom, or I hear you, dad. They heard those noises coming out of your mouth, but it seems to have been lost in translation somewhere. They've heard, but they've not listened. And sometimes their attention span seems extremely short. But friends, it's not only our children that have that problem. It's us too. That's one of the reasons that preachers tend to break up sermons into a number of, of sections with illustrations and some repetition and reinforcement too. Because that gives the hearer's minds something different to hook onto. It makes things easier to listen to and hopefully also easier to remember. Now, Before we look at our text, we're going to awaken our brains as well. 
awaken our brains by remembering what goes on in the first part of chapter 1. We didn't read that, but James starts off his letter by reminding us that no matter what we face in life, we are to face it rejoicing in the Lord always. We can do this because of the glorious assurance we have that the Lord has done everything for us. At the same time, we have to recognize, James said, that our lives will not be filled with with smiles and, and laughter. There will be trials too. Because of our sinful nature, we will at times face temptations. And at those times we are reminded and and also encouraged to seek wisdom from God in his word and through prayer. Moreover, James says, remember God's generous nature. Remember his provision for our lives. Remember his exceptional goodness. All good things, he says, comes from this great giver of gifts, who is not only the creator God, but also a personal God. A God who has given each believer that incredible gift, that greatest gift, faith in Jesus, leading to eternal life. In his sovereign will, he he chose us to make us people of his very own as a type of first fruits. And then as we go into these verses 19 to 21, it is examples or elements of this first fruit type living that the Apostle James turns to. In this section, he zooms on onto what is the appropriate response to God's word for all believers. He zooms in onto what is the appropriate response to God's word for all believers. Now, often when this passage is preached, preachers tend to skip over the first few verses of the text and, and focus instead of that, be doers of the word part. And that's okay as well, but this hearing and speaking and, and temper part is often overlooked. It's often skipped. But we're not going to do that today because verses 19 to 21 are also about doing. They're also about being doers of the word just in a different way. These verses focus on, on the responsibility of moral behavior that God's word places upon us. Together they give us divine instructions for living for living in a world of evil. They have to do with characteristics that believers are to cultivate. And we're going to look at these divine instructions, at these characteristics, under four headings. Rules for the ears, rules for the mouth, rule for the temper, and rule for life. The first verse, 19, has two sections. The first part of that verse goes about the rule for the ears, The last part of verse 19, the rule for the mouth. The rest of verse 19 and verse 20 um, is the rule for the temper. And then the last verse 21 is rule for life. We're going to start with the first part of verse 19 that gives us the rule for the ears. Listen again to what James says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Know this, our text starts, or as the NIV puts it, Take note of this. James is being emphatic here. In essence, he's saying, you must understand this. Hear me when I say this and make sure that you're not just hearing me, but really listen. For this is really important stuff that I'm about to say. And in addition to being so emphatic, James also speaks to his audience with love and compassion when he calls them beloved brothers. And this is an all-inclusive terms. Adelphoi 
Um, it's an inclusive term. An appropriate translation here would be my dearest fellow believers or my friends. My friends in Christ. My dear friends. My dear friends, he says, hear me and listen to me. Understand me when I say that, that there are important attitudes that you need to cultivate. And the first of these is to be quick to hear. But what does that mean? And to who or to what should we be listening? Now firstly, this is general advice in nature. It has to do with our interactions with others. It's the same sort of advice that we find in the book of Proverbs so often. We, for instance, read, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Listening is an art. It's the art of closing your mouth and opening your ears and your heart. It means taking and, and showing an interest in the person who is speaking. It's a fulfillment of the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself because you show that his or her opinions or concerns are sufficiently important to be listened to. But there's more to it as well, for hearing is a necessity for gaining wisdom. If we're not quick to listen, we're not going to be quick in understanding either. We're not going to be quick in understanding our neighbour or in gaining wisdom. Can you imagine how many marital problems would be solved if husbands and wives just listened to each other? I see some people pushing the other one here. Or if they just heard what the other one was saying, really listened and really heard. Really listening to someone else's opinion shows respect. It shows humility, wisdom, and also a spirit of teachability. And isn't that the attitude of a person whose heart has been captured by the Spirit of God, a heart that's ready to, to grow spiritually? Do we take the time to cultivate such an attitude? Are we quick to really hear those who are speaking to us? Do we love our neighbours so much that we want to respect them and honour them by actively listening to them and, and taking in what they're saying? Or are we in a sense just paying lip service, just waiting for them to finish so that we can voice our opinions? And sometimes we don't even wait for them to finish before we voice our own opinions. As husbands and wives, do we really listen to our spouses? Or do we just hear the drone of their voices and say, yes, dear, or no, dear? With what attitude do we listen? If we look forward to verse 21 where James speaks about the implantation of God's word, we have to consider that this rule for the ears also applies to listening to the word of God. A teachable and humble heart will be attentive or open-eared to God's message. You know, a little later we'll be singing, Speak, O Lord. But do we make the time and devote time to really listen to the voice of God? Or is it more of case, a case of, Speak, O Lord, but please just make it quick. When the word of God is read, when it is preached, or when we read it ourselves, do we just let it wash over us? Or, or does it sink in and become part of us? How? How are we listening? 
as we gather as a group to study and discuss his word, have we prayed that God would make us quick to listen? Brothers and sisters, listening or cultivating a listening attitude is each and everyone's responsibility. When we listen to God, we will be constantly ready to, to heed his commands. And when we listen to others, we will be ready to help. And remember also that no worthwhile learning, no worthwhile spiritual growth can take place if our mouths are open and our ears are closed. We need to listen. We need to hear and listen. Hear and take it in. Hear and let it sink into our hearts. For this first divine instruction that, that James shares with us is the rule for the ears. We need to listen and take things to heart. Let's look then next at the rule for the mouth in the last part of verse 19. Be slow to speak, James says. Don't be hasty in speaking or responding. In other words, edge your tongue behind those two rows of teeth that you have. This is very much a warning against foot-in-the-mouth disease. The attitude that we are to cultivate in this regard is to engage our brains before we open our mouths, to listen then to speak. James implores us, he implores us to put a dampener on our tongues, to bridle our tongues. Keeping our mouths shut makes room for thinking. It makes room for pondering, for meditating, for considering all the elements that are necessary for true listening and also learning. He's making the point that we, that we ought to be sensitive to the dangers of speaking too hastily or too passionately. The one who holds his tongue is wise. Again, Proverbs tells us, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. One way of phrasing James's command here is to say, do not speak rashly. Another is to do not rush hastily to speak. You know, there's a, there's a saying that we have that says, sticks and stones can break our word, bones, but words can't hurt us. But that's not true. That's not true. Our words have the power to heal, yes, but they also can be weapons of mass destruction. They have the power to encourage or to wound or to destroy we have to be wise in the way we speak. For as Jesus told us, on the day of judgment we will all give account for what? For every careless word that we've spoken. Congregation, because, because of the sacrifice of Christ, we are part of God's family. He has given us his spirit. If Christ is in us, then surely we have to live in a way that glorifies him and that includes, it includes being more thoughtful in our speech. But how can we do this? How can we train ourselves to be more thoughtful in our speech? Well, we had a whole sermon on that two weeks ago where I used that little word think. I wanted to put that on the projector at, at the time, but technology conspired against me. So we're going to do that today. That word think is a, it's a five-letter word through which we can pass our words as a, as a filter before we speak. Each letter prompts us to ask a question. So let's look at those questions. The T is for 
is what I'm about to say true? In other words, is what I'm about to say the truth, or is it perhaps a, a preconceived, no, preconceived notion that I have about a person? Or is it perhaps something that's just been passed on by someone else? Is it gossip? Is what I'm about to say true? If you go on to the H, it's is what I'm about to say helpful? Even if I want to say something that is true, is it going to be helpful to say that to the person? If, for instance, your husband put just a, puts just a half a load in the dishwasher, but he runs the full load program, would that really be helpful to say something about it? Just because something is true doesn't mean that it will be helpful. The I is for, is what I'm about to say inspiring? Will what I want to say motivate someone? Or would it demean them or discourage them? The N is what I'm about to say necessary. Would it not perhaps be better to keep my trap shut at the moment to prevent misunderstanding or anger or disappointment? Do I really have to say this? Is it necessary? The last letter of think is K. Is what I'm about to say kind? Is it kind? Even if I'm about if what I'm about to say is true and helpful and inspiring and necessary, is there perhaps a kinder way, a gentler way, a more compassionate way to say it? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? What James is saying here is that. He says, put a guard in front of your mouth or think before you spout off. We can do that by asking these think questions. Or if you can't remember five questions, you can ask yourself these three questions. Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said by me now? Do I need to really, really need to say this? Am I the one that has to say this? And should I really say it now? The person might be in pain, might be grieving, and you say something that is, that might be true, but that would not be helpful right there and then. It wouldn't be encouraging. It wouldn't be inspiring. It wouldn't be helpful. So why say it then? Leave it. Does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Does it need to be said by me now? Moving on to verses uh, 19 and 20, a rule for the temper. He first encourages to cultivate an attitude of being quick to hear, then second to be slow to speak. So in the verse, last part of verse 19 and verse 20, we find the third rule, the rule for temper. Be slow to anger, James says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Friends, the righteous life that God desires cannot be accomplished by human anger. Being slow to anger means being able to control your anger. And this comes from having the right heart attitude. The crux of the matter is this. If you have an angry disposition, if your attitude is characterized by quick-temperedness, you cannot live in the way that God wants you to live. Someone who is quick-tempered, who has an angry disposition, 
is likely to speak without careful consideration. And that creates all sorts of problems. Perhaps you are one of those whose tempers flare up quickly and, and instead of providing a soft or gentle answer, sense goes out of the window. And that goes for everyone who gets angry, but especially for someone who's quick to anger. You get defensive, you stop listening, you refuse to listen to reason, sometimes even to God's word. Those two rows of, rows of teeth open and the tongue comes flying out with cutting and harsh words, ready to set on fire the world. Beloved in Christ, we need to guard against this. For such attitudes depict hearts that are not fully surrendered to God. We need to fight against this. For when we do things like that, when we get angry, we cannot do the good things that God wants us to do. If we get angry, we cannot do the good things that God wants us to do. If we recognize this, this attitude in us, or if we see it developing in us, we must repent and ask God to still our hearts. If we see it develop in others, in our children, our friends, our fellow brothers and sisters, we need to confront them. But always, always, with those, that word of think, or that phrase of think in our minds, with gentleness, not with angry hearts. And there are a number of reasons why we need to cultivate this attitude of being slow to anger. If you think about it, one of the consequences of an angry disposition is that it hinders the prayers of a believer. In his letter to Timothy, Paul says, I de desire then that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarrelling. An angry disposition hinders the prayers of the believer but it also prevents the believer from promoting the cause of Christ. It gives the devil a foothold. And dearest friends, an angry disposition produces a spirit that is never listening, never humble, never open to leading, and never open to teaching. And this results in that implanted word, never growing never reaching maturity. So in these verses that we've looked at so far, James sets out the rules for the ears, for the mouth, and for the temper. Be quick to learn, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Those characteristics are the ones that James is urging on us. And if we look at verse 21, we see why. Why this is so hugely important. Listen again to verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Or to put it another way, put off, get rid of all the stuff in your lives that prevent you from exposing yourself to the light of the world, of the word. Beloved in Christ, the unwillingness to listen sinful and a hurtful tongue and an, un, um, an angry disposition, an angry temperament. Those are moral evils. If we are slow to, to hear God's word, quick to speak, quick to anger, moral filth isn't just our lot, 
It's also our destiny. If we wish to um, receive and benefit from God's word, we must fight against the sins that it reveals to us. Christian obedience is something that we need to work on daily. It requires a, um, a daily putting on of Christ. And we can only do that by surrendering and submitting to our Lord in faith, by surrendering to him in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. In the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us that the Almighty God, in his bountiful grace, implanted the word of truth, that magnificent message of the gospel, in every believer's heart. And this gospel message has the power to save. We know that. As the gospel word uh, takes root and it grows in the heart, it needs to be humbly accepted and obeyed. It cannot grow. It cannot mature in a hardened and unplowed or unyielding field. Christians who have been brought forth into a new birth demonstrated that the word has transformed them by their humble acceptance of that word, not only as the guide, but also as the highest authority for their lives. Three ways that they demonstrate this in their lives are by cultivating a listening attitude, by being sensitive to the danger of speaking too hastily, and by cultivating an attitude of being slow to anger. Dearly beloved, can I encourage you now, can I urge you this morning to really look at yourself, to look at the attitude with which you worship God, at the attitude with which you interact with others. Are you open to the leading of God's word? Is your relationship with God and with others characterized by an attitude of, of being, to use James's words, quick to listen? Is your relationship with others characterized by an attitude of being slow to speak or by an attitude of being harsh, being unjust? Is your temperament one of being slow to anger? And are you cultivating an attitude of being slow to anger? Or would those who come into contact with you describe you as being an angry person, an easily angered person? How are the divine instructions for living in an evil world demonstrated in our lives? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessed word which always teaches us and provides us with the rules for faith and living. Thank you especially, O Lord, for the inspired and practical lessons of your servant James. Help us to make these words our own. Help us to be humble. Help us to think before we speak. To be people who listen, and, listen and, and listen properly. To think twice before we, before we speak, and to think at least before we speak. Lord, we can be so angry at times, so difficult at times, and at times there there is a place for that. We know that, our Lord. But Father, we know that being angry persons does not help us, it doesn't help us to grow closer to you. It breaks our relationships. It causes a, 
a barrier between us and other people. Lord, let your Holy Spirit work in us so that with meekness and with the poorness of spirit we can hear your word and make it our own. Gracious Father, let your word find rich and fertile soil in our hearts through the work of your mighty spirit. We pray this, our Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.